Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. I know you feel 
kind of cold here in Atlanta today. I mean, we did get some inclement weather last night and, uh, into this morning. I guess it's going to last uh, throughout the weekend. I mean, I don't think it's got, I don't think it's got up to, has it got above freezing today? I don't think it's got above freezing today. It's 29 now. And I think that was a half of the day. Uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to have some pretty crazy weather. But I think we're at 13 degrees in Akron, Ohio. So my family and friends up that way, y'all stay warm. <laughs> stay, stay warm. That's all I can. That's all I can tell you. But uh, yeah, we uh, 29 looks pretty good compared to what. Mm. All kind of crazy stuff's going on. Mass shooting down in Fort Lauderdale. Some guy got off the plane with his badge claim and reclaimed his reclaimed his uh, reclaimed his luggage and which happened to be a nine millimeter. Loaded it up and went to shoot back to the bay. Claimed to start shooting up people, killed five, wounded six people. He ran out of ammo. I, you know, it's amazing uh, how easy it is to uh, to get a firearm on a plane. It, you know, it's just mind-boggling uh, to me how easy it is to get a firearm on a plane. Oh, yeah, you can check it. You just have to have it in a locked box. You know, so we can talk about guns and the proliferation of guns in this country until I'm blue in the face, which is going to take quite a bit of talking, y'all, and nothing will ever change. Uh, in terms of laws and stuff, in terms of trying to restrict the access of guns to and types of guns and stuff to people here in the country already, you got damn near billion guns on the street. You got damn near a billion guns out there on the street. I mean, I don't know. Some kind of Second Amendment right. I mean, when the Second Amendment was, was placed in the Constitution, they were using muskets. You know, those things you have to pour powder down in and then the slugs on top of it. By the time you get off one shot, <laughs> it takes you two or three minutes to get off one shot. Now, in two or three minutes, you can. Kill 50 people, damn it, for some of the stuff they got done. Uh, yeah, I need to say that uh, guns and the like have evolved since the uh, 235 years that the Constitution first came into being with that Second Amendment allowing for citizens to own guns back when they needed a gun to hunt down animals to eat every day. I don't know. 
where it's all going to be. Like I said, for 2017, you know, stay, just stay prayed up. Stay prayed up, y'all. Facebook friends, how y'all doing? 2017, y'all have, have a good New Year. Have some birthdays out. One, Mr. Billy Taylor, Dr. Billy Taylor. Got a niece with a birthday. Got, got several birthdays in January. Besides, spoken to you last. Oh, the sister had a birthday. We wish all the birthdays in January. All the January folks a happy birthday. I got one coming up by myself the next next month, February is my first month. Oh yeah, I'm Aquarian, yeah. Age of Aquarius. Birthdays are starting to come around. You, you know, they're they starting to come around um, real quick now. Got a free call in number out here on the Hushmo Black Forum, 1 That's a free call in to the Hushmo Black Forum. We don't take many calls out here, but we will. We, we'll take a call from time to time just to uh, to get your uh, call. Got something to say? Want to add something to uh, the conversation? We advocate, advocate so suggestions on behalf of America's Africans. Not because we don't love everybody. Well, we love everybody, but our advocacy is by extension. Uh, been a part of that community. We've been so advocating on their behalf. The Lord knows they're uh, left in a sense right now. They got to have to see they get, yeah. Yeah, they need it. Yeah, we cover uh, events protecting African Americans. And like I said, that's nowadays, that's everything. Everything that's going on in the world right now, we're still on the president elect. We're going to be on him for the next four years. We're going to be on that guy for the next four years, watching every move he makes. We got to. Well, yeah, we're going to support him where we can and oppose him where we can. We're going to support him where where we can and oppose him where we can. It's as simple as that, y'all. He's the American president, which makes him everybody's president. Everybody's an American. There's presidents, managers, everybody. He's everybody's president. Come January 21st. Uh, so, like I said, it's just pretty, pretty up because I don't know. What did you see the movie Christmas Day? I think I talked about it last. Hidden Figures, story of uh, the black women that. Uh, was a part of NASA's early beginnings and home before NASA was even called NASA. Uh, Let's 
I, uh, yeah, the picture uh, dealt with, uh, well, the main character, one of them was Captain Johnson. I had ran into her. Um, he was there while listening to Tom Joyner. He did a, uh, he does this uh, well-known black history fact, I don't know, four or five years ago. And he uh, brought up her name. Yeah, I didn't know uh, anything about Catherine Johnson. Never even heard of her, but as it turned out,
It's a great book. I recommend it highly. Uh, I'm quite a uh, historian, a black historian. I, I uh, uh, you know, did quite a bit of writing. Well, at least I got two books published where I uh, did quite a bit of research in the black history here in this country, uh, namely just uh, writing about my, my own family's history here in the country. Uh, Georgia go back some 200, I don't know, 250 years at least. Uh, through that, I ran into a lot of uh, a lot of information on uh, uh, black history here in the country, but yet and still, I found uh, quite a bit I didn't know uh, through. Um, Through Miss um, Sheverly in her book on uh, the ladies that uh, uh, worked at uh, NASA in its early days, back in the 40s or 50s. And it was quite informative. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's going to be quite proud of, uh, of these ladies' stories. And how to know they were and uh, uh, helped getting the United States out there in that space race, uh, helped win in that space race. Uh, yeah, it's amazing story about these mathematicians. The book is a lot more in depth than the movie. In the movie, you can't uh, put all the background in a movie. You have to just kind of, uh, you know, pick out the main part, parts of uh, the story and uh, go with it. But in a book, you can kind of dig into uh, the nitty gritty, if you will. And that's what she did here. I uh, change the subject. Uh, there's two playoff games uh, tonight. I, I think uh, Texas and Oakland, Houston, Texas. But I think uh, Texas think they're going to knock Oakland off, and then Detroit and uh, Seattle. Seattle, we we'll play them next week. I think we could be either one, but I. If Detroit win, we don't necessarily play them. I think they would get involved in whether or not Seattle and run New York and Green Bay. That whole thing is crazy. But I, for one, would like to play Seattle because I think we can, I think we have a good chance of beating them because I think we can score more points than they can. Uh, 
going to take that dynamic anymore. For one thing, they don't have, uh, I said, boy's name, Lynch, Michonne Lynch. They don't have him. He retired here last year, and uh, they missed that runner. That guy was a beast. Uh, he was a real beast. I'm glad, I'm, I for one, glad he's not there. And we got to play him because <laughs> Michonne Lynch was a beast, yeah. But he's retired, so their offense has been suffering since then. And uh, I just think the Falcons, I don't care who we play, I think we can outscore anybody in the NFL right now. I think the Falcons can outscore anybody in the NFL. So, uh, given that, I'm not, I don't care who we play, but I, I, Seattle seems to be one of the teams that don't score that many points. And they got a hell of a defense. But even with a defense, I don't think a defense is, I don't think any defense can uh, stop the Falcons from scoring. That's just my opinion of, of that. I don't think any defense can stop the Falcons. No. You've got too many weapons on offense. <laughs> We've got too many playmakers, huh? We got some serious playmakers on the offense. The Falcons. Well, back in school again. Well, first of all, I graduated. Yeah, I'll get a hush more hand. Yeah, the hush more graduated. Social degree. I mean, I already had a what amount of a social degree in computer technology. I got back in the seventies that uh, propelled me into the computer business. I worked in IT for forty years. Uh, I'm retired. Thing about uh, computers and that stuff, when you once you go to tech school and uh, get hired on. I hired on with Control Data Corporation back in 1968. And from that point on, every company that I worked for kept you in school, so you never don't need to go back to college or anything. Because they trained you with some specific uh, equipment that you'd be working on, and that was all in-house. So uh, I stayed in school for like 40 years, but nothing, uh, you know, like a... Uh, college or anything like that, but just, uh, I worked on some of the most sophisticated computer uh, uh, equipment out there, and uh, that kept your mind, kept my mind sharp, uh, in terms of uh, troubleshooting uh, computer problems and stuff like that, uh, yeah, it keep, you, uh, keep you alert, but I retired from that about the uh, 10 years ago now, 2007, be 10 years in April, but I've been retired from that, from that too. And uh, so I decided to go back to school a couple of years ago, and I, you know, I'm looking for, uh, well, I just went back from my own education, tried to brush up on two new skills, and I'm interested in African American studies, and I pretty much got a BA in African American studies. Uh, I, uh, I might go on and get a BA. Well, I got an associate in uh, uh, general studies and uh, with a heavy dose of African-American uh, uh, studies. 
I'll, uh, I don't know. I, I'm taking Spanish in another in American Studies course here uh, in January. Starting next week, in fact. But I'm just going to take it real easy. And we'll see where that takes me. If I go for a BA, I'll just do it a little at a time. I'm not in the area to uh, go full time. Let, you know, I need a break. You know, I got my social degree. And that took all I had. <laughs> and I'm proud of myself because at my age, it's, uh, it was a real challenge to get back into school after some 50 years. And uh, But I found it uh, really uh, exhilarating. Uh, kind of kept my mind active, refocused my uh, uh, refocused on my uh, intellectual juices, uh, and kind of updated uh, my uh, uh, curiosity, if you will, uh, just dealing with new subject matter, interfacing uh, uh, with. Uh, a younger uh, generation of of uh, peers. I mean, it's, it's quite quite interesting. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I got read right out of my about a two point eight nine average. Could have a B. I should have got a B average. Really got a couple of Fs that were one class. I got an F in that they lost my online work. And then back in the eighties, I had some classes that I failed to withdraw from that I got F's on. And believe it or not, those F's followed me <laughs> all the way through to my degree here and uh, brought down my average. I should have about a 3.2 average and then wound up at like a 3.89 or something crazy. But uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with that, yeah. I'm taking that brand new. Oh, that's brand new. Oh, like, I'm going to yeah, I, I need a little Spanish. I need a second language. I'm gonna really uh, I'm gonna really uh, engross myself in it. I've got a had a biology teacher, not a biology but a science teacher from uh, Haiti who's fluent in Spanish. He's going to be my coach. I'm going to go see him as often as I can to uh, practice my Espanol. So hopefully I'll, uh, by the time I'm going to some parts of the Spanish-speaking, one of the Spanish-speaking countries this year for my 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah, it's been 50 years that uh, the national been tonight, and uh, we're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary in some Spanish country, and I want to be able to uh, communicate a little bit with the local natives. <laughs> hola, hola, como esta? And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the experience of getting back into school. And so, 
I'm going to really dive into the Spanish stuff because I want to get a real good feel for uh, a second language. And I really urge, I think that our uh, one of the things that's missing in our education here in this country is a second language uh, uh, exposure from from elementary school. I think every child, every American should be exposed to a second language as early as kindergarten, starting kindergarten all the way through. By the time they go to high school, every American should be speaking a second language, period. Every, every American. Now, uh, it's vital uh, uh, in uh, competing in uh, today's environment. It's, 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 a vital, it's vital that we uh, get our uh, people speak a second language to compete in the world. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, into that. What else going on, y'all? Hey, it's about uh, seven. 34, about 34 minutes after the hour seven, y'all. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls here on the High School Black Forum. We'll be right back. Y'all hang in there. You got me, High School. Advocated on your behalf. You're listening to the High School Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
<laughs> welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to the Hashville Black Forum. We've been rambling on there for a minute uh, without uh, the speaker being on. We start all over again. Uh, just uh, we've just been saying that uh, this is January the seventh, first weekend of twenty seventeen, and uh, we're talking about John Lewis and uh, some of his cohorts in Congress. I guess I was getting ready to read introduce a bill uh, dealing with uh, reparations uh, on behalf of Americans after the Senate for Americans after since Those of you who have followed the Hushman Black Forum and me uh, know that I'm a big advocate for uh, reparations for Americans after descent. Uh, those of you who have read my books, The Water Boy, The Life and Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron, and then uh, Racism and Hate, an American reality. In those two books, I have a chapter dedicated to reparations, and uh, reparations has came back into vogue, or back into black uh, uh, conscious with the advent of this uh, black president, President Barack Obama. With his presidency uh, came uh, the racism that was kind of pin up in the closet for uh, some years. And uh, so with the outpouring of racism, uh, also come uh, uh, racism byproduct, which is hate and uh, black activism in our uh, uh, quest for uh, uh, reparations for uh, the injuries that we suffered here in this country, uh, the injuries that we suffered uh, and there's a whole, you know, there's a lot of different uh, perspectives, black perspectives on reparations, on how to go about um, like demanding reparations from uh, the country. Uh, Tanisha Coates, a young writer from uh, with the Atlantic Magazine, did an article on reparations, a case for reparations a couple, 30 years ago that uh, shared uh, that. Uh, she had, a, a, well, reintroduced uh, and brought forth a lot of uh, interest back into reparations again, although, you know, those people like me who've been uh, advocating for reparations for 30, 40 years uh, uh, with this president that uh, brought the subject back into uh, the forefront. And, and, uh, but anyway, uh, I was reading... I read the article on uh, uh, Tanisha Coates interviewing the, uh, President Barack Obama uh, on reparations. It was one of his last exit interviews as he leaves the White House. And uh, uh, most most uh, of our uh, advocates for reparations in the black community uh, include slavery in that uh, in that. Uh, argument, if you will. And uh, me, I have a little different take on it, although I think everybody's uh, argument is valid and necessary to, uh, to uh, you know, get to our, uh, uh, the end results, and that is uh, uh, financial reparations for uh, the uh, conditions that black has uh, lived under here in this country for uh, 
in my case, the last uh, 135 years since uh, the end of the Civil War, because I base my uh, advocacy for reparations solely on the years after the Civil War, when the country uh, allowed separate equal laws to be imposed uh, first in the South and then on a national level in 1896 with uh, the uh, Classy versus Ferguson uh, decision uh, that the Supreme Court uh, ruled on. It, which effectively uh, separated blacks out of white society altogether. Then. That's what that Pleasant uh, versus Ferguson went to get. And for the next 90 years, after the Civil War, for the next 100 years, uh, blacks was uh, pretty much denied 14th Amendment protections, which injured us in the workplace, in the education uh, uh, place, and, and uh, throughout the society. Uh, it took a, a tremendous financial toll on, on uh, black people in this country um, uh, by depriving us of quality in the workplace, by denying us access to real estate, uh, by denying us access to real estate, uh, was one of the main uh, arguments that I make uh, in my uh, demand for reparations. It starts with uh, the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. The Southern Homestead Act of 1866 was a product of Abraham Lincoln. Now, he died before it was enacted, uh, but it was his uh, baby uh, to uh, set aside federal land. And in that Southern Homestead Act, which Congress did pass in 1866, June of 1866, and it stayed on the books, for some uh, 10 years until uh, 1876, set aside some 46 million acres here in uh, five southern states for pretty much uh, uh, the ex-slaves. And uh, because of the separate equal laws, because of racism uh, uh, and the Jim Crow laws, uh, very little of that 46 million acres of land was distributed to the ex-slaves. They, white people in the South, they railed against that act and pretty much prevented through legal means and suppressive uh, racist means uh, blacks from access, accessing that land. And then in 1876, uh, caused it to be repealed uh, uh, off the books of Congress and the state on the books for uh, 10 years, y'all. That 46 million acres of land had blacks been allowed to get that land, which was theirs, it was set on the books for them, uh, we wouldn't be talking about the economic inequality that exists today in this country, in my mind. Uh, y'all check that out, the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. Uh, it's a, a part of our history, a hidden part of our history, much like the hidden figures of those ladies that worked for NASA. So back in the 40s and early 50s, it's a hidden part of American history that people don't want you to know anything about. Those uh, the Southern Homestead Act, much like the Homestead Act of 1862, where they said it's that millions and millions, 240 some millions of acres that were distributed out west, and mostly uh, for white settlers that was. Uh, uh, 
occupying the western United States uh, after uh, 1862 after, and forward. They never did repeal that. That thing stayed on the books of 1958. It's so crazy. It's still on the books. Well, I don't know if they ever repealed it. The Homestead Act of 1862, yet the Homestead Act of 1866, which was, set, which was there pretty much for black folks, they repealed that thing in 10 years and uh, suppressed the blacks uh, uh, to the point where very little of that land uh, got to uh, the ex-slaves, which stymied uh, their uh, economic growth in this country to no end. That was the start of the main cog in uh, black uh, um, economic development. Because in the of that 46 million acres was the main cog in the uh, uh, the blacks' ability to uh, economically uh, 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 move up in the uh, white society. Yeah, the Homestead Act of 1866. I, I write about it and talk about it as much as I can, but uh, that, that, in my mind, is the main uh, reason why we got this economic disparity in the country between blacks and whites today. Uh, my advocacy for, for reparations deal primarily with the separate equal laws that took away 14th Amendment rights among the separate equal laws that uh, uh, helped injure, uh, what that did injure uh, black people was the denial of that 46 million acres plus uh, the denial of equal access in the workplace and the education uh, facilities and uh, apparatus of the country and uh, uh, on and on. But uh, uh, it all started with the denial of access to that 46 million acres. Yes, it did. And I uh, read my book. There's a whole book about uh, the Southern Homestead Act. Uh, that you need to pick up. Uh, uh, go to my website, HeskinsBlack.com, and pick up my book, uh, Racism and Hate. I got a whole chapter in there, chapter 12, I believe it is. Uh, and it uh, talks about uh, the Southern Homestead Act of 
Agrarianism and Reconstruction Politics, the Southern Homestead Act by Michael L. Lanza is the book that you want to pick up. That um, that they'll that talk about the uh, Southern Homestead Act and uh, that talk about the Southern Homestead Act. Um, and death, uh, agrarianism, and reconstruction politics, the Southern Homestead Act. Pick that book up and educate yourself uh, about that Southern Homestead Act. Yeah? That is the thing that jump-started our uh, demise after that Civil War was over. Economic demise, that act, and the uh, uh, racist uprising that uh, that occurred after uh, its uh, enactment did enormous harm to uh, our ability to uh, to uh, achieve any kind of equal uh, economic uh, growth here in the country after the Civil War. After uh, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment had been uh, 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 made part of the Constitution, giving us equal uh, legal standing here in the country. Giving us legal uh, standing here in the country uh, uh, the powers to be uh, uh, violated uh, the 14th Amendment, our 14th Amendment. Brown legally uh, uh, set all that straight back in 1954, but we never did petition the court. We have a petition of court because we didn't have the uh, sophistication, among other things, uh, among other things, uh,
dealing with reparations, um, most most black advocates when they start talking about reparations, they immediately go back to slavery and uh, how uh, it was an immoral act, which is true. I mean, it's true. Uh, but the reason in my mind that we haven't won that uh, argument based on uh, the morals of it uh, is that the legal system of this country uh, do not allow for morality to be legislated. There's no, you can't legislate morality. And I think they put that in there just for that reason. <laughs> you can't legislate morality. So the first thing that they talking about is uh, when blacks start talking about them immorality of uh, the slave business, they let you know that there's no legal uh, you can't legislate morality and that kind of end that conversation right there. Uh, on, you know, how I look at that is that uh, slavery, the Jesusness of it, uh, the man upstairs took care of that. That was such a humongous, uh, evil, <laughs> wicked act that uh, man man can't uh, don't have the wherewithal to uh, to uh, uh, exact any kind of punishment for it. It's, it's beyond man. The man upstairs uh, called 600,000 folks to die uh, in eradicating slavery here in this country. Took care of the moral part of uh, that uh, evil, uh, wicked uh, institution. In my mind, I'm just uh, telling you how I feel about it. That took care of Abraham Lincoln himself. He, (laughs) coming to the end of his life and came to grips with the fact that uh, the man wasn't driving that civil war. man had very little control over it. And that a higher power somehow was driving that thing. He finally had this dream that started having nightmares about why the civil war was dragging on and on and on and on. Uh, and it finally came to him in some dream that uh, he needed to uh, get the 13th Amendment. Uh, installed in that constitution in quickly. And uh, that war would come to an end once that happened. And sure enough, the 13th Amendment uh, got passed uh, in 1865, and uh, the war came to an end. This is what Abraham Lincoln came to uh, grips with. Once uh, all this out in the second inauguration of that show, Read that second inaugural address of Abraham Lincoln and Heavy. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so from a moral standpoint, I don't think, although we should, you know, I'm not against blacks who advocate a reparation based on slavery and the immorality of it, go right ahead. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, uh, 
railing against your argument. I'm embracing it. You know, as far as that goes, I'll embrace it with you. I just think that all our uh, arguments has to tie together, as Charles Hammond of Houston has said about uh, breaking down the uh, separate equal uh, Jim Crow laws here in this country. All our arguments has to tie together, and uh, we have to move forward as one in terms of uh, requesting that reparation. And man's happened to be, my point of view, view my perspective on it is that uh, I, I advocate for reparations from strictly a legal point of view, uh, dealing with the separate equal laws that were enacted after the Civil War. After the Civil War. That's my entire, uh, you know, argument for reparations is the... Uh, uh, 14th Amendment violations after the Civil War, including the denial of the land set aside in the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. <clears throat> That's my argument for it. Uh, and, and I write about it. And I'm right now I'm writing my third essay on it that I'm going to be sitting in with John Lewis's when I finish. Uh, giving him my perspective and my thoughts on how we should go about uh, challenging uh, the government uh, on reparations on our behalf. And uh, I don't think uh, it requires any more uh, litigation. I think we litigated that thing. I think uh, Charles Hamilton Houston and Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill and those guys litigated that thing for a shoot. 20, 25 years, and up to 1930 to 1954, after Brown versus Board of Education, they got set aside. You don't realize what that was about. Most people, when they look at Brown versus Board of Education, they assume that it was about just about integrating some public schools. It was about a lot more than that. It was about setting aside uh, the, uh, uh, the verdict in that Plessy versus uh, uh, Ferguson thing uh, of 1896, setting aside that uh, argument, which setting aside that verdict, which set, uh, uh, which uh, technically removed blacks from white society, allow blacks to be uh, put in a separate category over here, allow blacks to be discriminated against in the workplace uh, in terms of salary, work environment, education environment, and all that stuff. It's harmless economically. Uh, and they, that's what uh, Charles Hamilton Houston and his group at the NAACP uh, was a uh, Arguing against all those years up until Brown, they were already just sitting at that. Pleasant. Pleasant did a lot more than just, uh, Pleasant wasn't even about no school integration. It had nothing to do with, Pleasant had to do with 14th Amendment violations of black men railing against uh, white society for separating them out uh, after uh, the 14th Amendment says that he should have every right uh, than any other citizen to have. Pleasant took that away. 
And uh, yeah, so it's more to it than just school integration. That was just one part of it. It was the easiest part for them to uh, attack. Uh, the most visible, easiest thing for them to attack was uh, uh, higher education, in fact, uh, graduate school. And uh, they won a lot of early cases dealing with uh, graduate schools. Um, black uh, uh, folks trying to get into uh, law schools or engineering schools where uh, the states only had white law and doctors law and engineering schools and things and, and uh, no facility for blacks. The separate eagle thing fell apart there. And they couldn't easily uh, set up black institutions, law schools, and express proposition to set up a law school or engineering school just for uh, blacks. So uh, uh, the WACP legal team of President Marshall and Charles Hepburn Houston, they argued from the 30s on that uh, came on those cases as they went. And among other things, they argued that uh, that's uh, just that the schools were segregated, but the, the pay uh, was different. There was a differential in pay. White teachers were making more than black teachers. They won several of those cases. That's where the injuries took place financially. Uh, he's playing white uh, folks twice as much as they're playing black, black folks. Come on. Those things work. Not as the white they had more uh, education, more uh, qualifications than did uh, the white counterparts. Yeah, it was making less money. So it's a lot to it. It's not, you know, you got to. Uh, Sit down and educate yourself on uh, the separate equal laws and how they affected uh, America's African descent and what Brown was about. And, you know, all of the 20 years leading up to Brown, what was all those lawsuits along the way? What were they about? I'm going to, uh, like I said, I'm going to be I'm in the process of writing uh, a third essay essay on uh, reparations, and I'll be sending that into John, Congressman John Lewis. Hopefully, uh, it will uh, give him a roadmap or at least a different perspective that they can uh, consider when making the arguments for uh, reparations. Hopefully, they'll be able to give us something, some information that may have uh, overlooked there or they hadn't thought about before. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, we uh, about uh, thirteen minutes after eight. Y'all, we're coming up on another break here. We kind of run into our breaks this evening. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. We got Hushville. Hey, we've got a free call into the Hushville Black Forum. One eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. That's a free call into the Hushville Black Forum. We'll take a few calls this evening. We'll be right back. We're going on break. Advocated, Advocated on your behalf. 
You're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, Doug. <clears throat> we got it's January the seventh, yeah. First weekend of twenty seventeen. The first weekend of uh, the new year. I uh, have been saying how much I was <clears throat> glad to get rid of <clears throat> 2017. Might turn out to be a real, a real mother for you with uh, this new administration coming on board. Donald Trump, the new president-elect, will be taking office come noon, January 20th, and we don't know. We don't know what that's going to uh, Hey, go ahead. I, I, you know, I just uh, noticed I had someone hanging on land out there. Uh, Happy New Year. Who, who we got? It's Pianchi. How you doing, Hushmo? Pianchi. You know what? I was just thinking about you. Happy New Year to you. You were. I was just Same thinking you. about uh, Yeah, I was just thinking about you from the Mr. Bianchi, and I forgot all about us out here on the High School platform. I haven't heard from him in a month or Sunday. That was the holidays for you. Well, the new year came in and old and left. Well, that's true. And I was talking about, I was just talking about how glad, glad I was uh, that 2016 is behind us, but with a new. Uh, uh, Administration coming on board. I don't know what 2017 is going to look like. Oh, man. I supported Donald Trump from the beginning. You're a Republican. You're a Republican. I'm a conservative. You're a Republican. I know what you are. You're a Republican. No, I'm a conservative. When I was a kid, uh, all my family were Republicans here in Georgia. But, uh, uh, I heard about that. But uh, what's been going on with you? Well, I got. I've been uh, working on some things. My grandson's sophomore in college down there in Baton Rouge. Playing that good, huh? Well, you know they got the best offense in football. They scored about thirty-three points a game. Now the defense uh, yeah. uh, a little shaky, but I don't think anybody can stop them from scoring. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Atlanta uh, to you, excitement. Yeah, yeah, we could, <laughs> we could, because we haven't won anything since 
95. The Braves won the World Series in 95. That was our last champion. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I've been uh, I've been doing some new things. I, I, I did graduate from school here back in December. I got an associate's degree in uh, African-American studies, pretty much, from uh, Atlanta Metropolitan College. Now, I told you, I think I may have mentioned it on the air here. I went back to school uh, some two or three years ago to, uh, to uh, get me a degree in uh, history. And I wound up finishing my associate's degree this past uh, December, about two weeks ago, as a matter of fact, December the 15th. And uh, I was excited about that. Well, no, uh, the Trump administration should do well. They stick to the things they said, get rid of them illegal aliens, school choice, legalization of drugs. Well, if you get rid of the illegal aliens, you're going to have to get rid of his wife. No, she's a, she's a citizen. No, she ain't nothing. She came over here as an illegal uh, uh, Romanian or somewhere over there in the Eastern Bloc. She was illegal for two years. Now, did she go to the back of the line and really uh, uh, get a citizenship? We don't know. Uh, all we do know is she came here illegal and worked as a darn mall or uh, some kind of uh, escort person for some years. So, well, I think the lady is illegal. Is legal now. Unlike okay. many of those people that voted for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> okay. Okay. You think she, you think she's legal now? Uh, okay. Well, I don't know. All I know is uh, they say she came here illegal and was here in this country for some years. Uh, but anyway, school choice, school choice, the legalization of them street drugs. Uh-huh. Need to get that wall built. And uh, well, the well, other issues. Who's going to pay for the wall? You know, he was talking about having Mexico pay for the wall all through uh, the uh, campaign. And here yesterday, he told my Congress going to have to pay for it. Which means... Uh, Mexico. Uh, uh, I'd make Mexico pay for it. They people that's coming up out of there. How you going to make Mexico do anything? How you going to make another country pay for anything that uh, they don't want? And you talking about making Mexico... Yesterday, you talking about making... Uh, uh, getting Congress to set aside funds for it, and uh, he's trying to get Mexico to reimburse it, uh, the United States, sometime down the road. You know and the balance right? of trades, absolutely. Right. They made uh, Haiti. They made Haiti pay uh, France, didn't you? No. What What France did was set up a blockade, a military blockade around that island for 150 years, Mister Bianchi. They. Uh, 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 I don't even want to get into that. But no, France set up a blockade around Haiti. Won't let, won't let anything in out of that line for damn near 150 years. They uh, uh, pretty well, you know, I, I, I hate to even think about that story you mentioned there now uh, with France and Haiti. But anyway, yeah, I, I can uh, uh, see us now trying to get Mexico to uh, pay $10 billion on something that they don't want. Mexico ain't got no kind of money to be spending like that on junk. Mexico should make something for their own people. Well, that, that's true. Well, I ain't, I ain't, now, that's a different story. That's a different story. The economics, uh, well, I was just talking about here in the first half of the show about the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. 
uh, where uh, the Southern Homestead Act was a vehicle that Abraham Lincoln had worked out with the Republican Congress back then before he got killed. So that set aside some 46 million acres for the ex-slaves here in, in the South. Uh, but uh, the South uh, uh, rebelled against that. Uh, uh, and set up all these separate equal laws and Jim Crow laws that, that was put in place. A lot of them came into place to prevent the ex-slaves from acquiring that 46 million acres of land. And that thing, that Southern Homestead Act of 1866, stayed on the books of uh, uh, this country for 10 years and disappeared and was repealed in 1876. Uh, uh, with little of that land being uh, 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 issued to black folks. That was our main downfall uh, in uh, uh, trying to establish an economic foothold in the country after the, the Civil War was over. The Homestead Act of Well, you know, Hushmo, blacks had a profitable business going back from the 1600s right through 1865. Well, I ain't know, talking about a few. Yeah, but, I'm not but, talking but, about a few or a handful. They had a lot of business in all sorts of areas. Shipping, was, mining, when, catering, yeah. well, when you timber. When you say a lot, when you say a lot, there was four and a half million slaves here in the South uh, through 1865. What percentage of those folks, we're not talking about the free blacks that live outside of the South, which was you know, it wasn't no more than, uh, uh, shoot, maybe it wasn't even a million of those folks. It was 5% but, or better. Well, 5%. Okay, so 5%, you said, that had some, something. But the other 95% were slaves. So, so you know, just the 46 million acres had they uh, been uh, uh, allowed to uh, access that land, which is what Lincoln had in mind. Lincoln, hey, Mr. Bianca, he didn't just uh, come up with this uh, idea of uh, uh, you need to give these black folks, uh, after you feed them some land, educate them, and access some amount of capital. He consulted with uh, 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 Frederick Douglass and all kind of other uh, abolitionists and uh, people who uh, was concerned about what what the society would look like after the Civil War. What are you going to do with these four and a half to five million people? And they came up with the idea that you had to avail them to a certain amount of real estate to uh, possess in order for them to uh, acclimate themselves uh, into uh, this new free society that they found themselves in. So it was a long, drawn-out process of them trying to figure out what to do with the people. But Lincoln died. The white folks rebelled against giving those black folks that land. This was federal land. This wasn't like Sherman marching through Georgia giving blacks 40 acres and a mule. This was 46 million acres of federal land that the federal government owned, much like the land, the 240 million acres of land that was set aside in the Homestead Act of 1862 that uh, allowed for the West to be populated in Oklahoma, Arizona, and all the places out west. That thing never was repealed. It was on the books in 1958. The white people were out there, and the government gave them 250 some million acres of property without a uh, without anybody objecting to it. But as soon as they set aside something for blacks here in the South, they uh, uh, came up and uh, railed against it, much like they're doing against this uh, Obamacare. They finding out now that that's not going to be an easy thing to uh, repeal. 
Well, something needs to be done with it because it's hurting a lot of people. Who's it hurting? The 20 million people who got the uh, health care? It's certainly not hurting anybody in my family. Now the people, people that's having to pay, the people that's having million. to pay them high, high deductibles. It's killing higher them. Than, higher than what, though? Higher compared to what they were paying before Obamacare? Because, oh, absolutely, you know, yes. I know some people paying up to $1,600 a month. Well, what would they That's be crazy. paying without? What would they be paying without Obamacare? What would they be paying for health care? Opportunities. 
if you come from a meager means, meager background, you should have opportunities and assistance in order to, you know, get yourself upright. Uh, these free schools that they have is terrible. It needs to have choice with full vouchers where a parent can put their child where they see fit. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that, that school issue is a tricky issue because like I was just uh, looking at one of the best movies I've seen is Hidden Colors, Hidden Figures rather. Hidden Figures has to do with the story of Katherine Johnson, this mathematician that worked for NASA way back in the early 50s. And those black ladies uh, who worked for that, for NASA during World War II, wasn't called NASA then, it was the aeronautical uh, division. But anyway, uh, this story is so powerful, Mr. Bianchi. I want you to see that movie, Hidden uh, uh, Figures. Go see that movie. It just came out last week. I saw it Christmas Day. My kids took me to see it, and I got the book. That is such a powerful story. It tells the story of uh, black intellectuals back in the 30s and 40s and how, uh, well, first of all, most of them uh, who graduated from college wound up being school teachers, because most of the professionals were shut out to them. Uh, and when Charles Hamilton Houston started his argument against Plessy, him and Third Group Marshall and uh, Oliver Hill and those boys back in the 30s started uh, trying to set aside Plessy, uh, one of the things that they went after was uh, institutions of higher learning, because uh, they realized that blacks, uh, uh, the states could easily uh, uh, put up a facility that was equal. Uh, they could put up an engineering school, a graduate school for engineering or medical or uh, law and all that stuff just to satisfy blacks to get into it. So they went case by case by case up until Brown versus Board of Education for 20 years. To uh, uh, And one of the things they were uh, 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 finding out that in education, the black school teachers who was uh, 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 put stuck in these uh, black schools was making damn near half the money that white teachers was making uh, 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 over here in these white schools. And, uh, well, that's uh, what the argument was about. The, the argument was never about physical integration. Right, and that's and that's what reparations. My argument for reparations is about on a legal standpoint. Blacks was injured because of. Uh, 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 discrimination in the workplace, pay, pay discrimination. That's what that's what uh, Brown was about. That's what Thurgood Marshall, Charles Hamilton, Houston, and Oliver Hill. They argued for 25 years that uh, 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 Plessy set a, a, took blacks out of mainstream society, not just out of some kind of school. Plessy had nothing to even do with uh, integration. Plessy had to do with some uh, dragging a black person off a train and uh, effectively taking him out of, of society altogether, taking away his 14th Amendment right. And uh, 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 the school system here in Georgia in 1872, they changed that separate equal law to separate equal when practicable. Now, what the hell is that? Separate equal uh, when practicable. <laughs> and, and black schools uh, 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 never was uh, equal or practicable uh, to the white schools. And that's what's wrong with our education system today. Is that, you know, this is a long Well, that's history. not true today. <laughs> Black schools yeah. do have 
the facilities that these white schools have. I built, I don't know how many schools. I built about eight or nine schools here in in, uh, in St. Louis. And these black schools do have the same facilities that white schools have. Well, I, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm and actually leery. some of them, some of them have more money too per pupil. I'm a little <laughs> leery when people start talking about vouchers. Now, I, I you know, obviously, uh, parents should have a choice in where they send their kids. I'm all for that. I sent my kids to a public school here in Atlanta. Both both of my daughters went to Atlanta Public Schools and did a great job. Uh, I've, I've never had a problem with the public school system here in uh, this city uh, while my kids was in school. And, and so when they started talking Did you ever have kids, your chair? <clears throat> did you ever have your chair evaluated by independent yeah. source? What do you mean evaluated? To see exactly where they were academically. They was at the top of their class. Was at the very yeah, but see that. the top of your class, and I'm not talking about your your kids in particular. Okay, but now, top of the okay. class in some of these public schools is not at the top of the class. When you measure them and set them down and evaluate them, assess their abilities to do this, that, and the other so, at the what? particular about, grade that they say they are. Okay, you're talking about assess them based on what SAT or some GMAC test that somebody devised. No, you supposed to you should assess them to see if they're able to perform at the grade level that they say that they're in. By, by what level? Now, now listen now. Uh, obviously, these schools has been uh, degraded since integration. These black schools have been degraded to no end since 1954 old. Uh, I give you that, but but but. You know, a lot of a lot of variables uh, went into that. Whether it's the uh, uh, breakup of the black family or the uh, still, a lot of crazy. Yeah, but re- regardless, regardless of all those things, that the thing is, is that you're at a particular spot at a given point in time, and now comes the time to measure and see whether or not you actually have the ability to perform at that spot. But, I, and, but what, what, criteria, what, what criteria are we going to use to measure it by? But that's all I'm saying. I'm getting back to that again. What criteria are we using some what test? And who developed the well, test? Well, at sixth grade, can they do calculus one? But who developed the test? Who, who developed the curriculum to parents? Uh, well, it, it has nothing to do with curriculum. It's, it's just they have problems that they should be able to work at a certain grade. And you have to go, and you have to, you have to have it done. I wouldn't. Tr- you can't trust the school, uh, the school district itself to do it because they're biased. It has to be an independent source, independent well, agency that evaluate and also assess your child's ability. Well, like I said, I, I'm just uh, going by my two kids. When they came out of high school here, man, a public school system, they both got scholarships to uh, uh, college. They both excelled through college. One of them graduated from Georgia Tech's engineering school, got a double leap from Georgia Tech. Went on to another one graduated from Georgia State's uh, finance school, uh, got a master's degree there. The other one went on to George Washington Law School, excelled there. 
So at every every level that they progress to, they excel. So yeah. Judging by that, I'm uh, to assume that they uh, uh, early foundation was uh, sufficient to allow them to. I mean, they got right with the white kids at Georgia Tech, right with the white kids at Georgia State, right with the white people. Well, white kids, though, white kids are failing uh, is not where they should be neither. Acting, you know, <clears throat> there's a school out in, in in L.A. Marcus Garvey Academy. Mm-hmm. Them kids at fourth grade is doing college, college algebra. At sixth grade, they're doing they're doing college calculus, calculus one. Mm-hmm. That there is high academic achievement there. At the seventh grade, they pass their GED, they pass their college entrance exam. Those that want to, and at the age of thirteen, they're carrying they're carrying what fifteen credit hours at thirteen mm-hmm. years of age. That uh-huh. there is high achievement. I mean, that's something that can be that's that's something that's workable. At least that's what they're doing. They're at that school on Slauson Avenue. Yeah, <laughs> in that's, that video. That's, a, that's a microcosm of uh, our population there. Can you spread that across the masses, that type of uh, in-depth uh, 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 instruction? Can you take Well, yeah, it can be. It can across, be, but here's the point. What's, what's required to get there? Pardon me? I said, what's going to be required to get there to the masses? Well, people ain't going to do it. They are not going to do it because of teachers' unions and factions that don't, I mean, they just won't do that. So that's why come a parent should have the ability to take their child and put them in an environment that they want, and the money should follow that child. Well, first of all, the parents are responsible. I'm of the opinion that the parents are number one uh, responsible for their child, the parents themselves. I uh, saw to it that my kids uh, 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 got uh, a proper education starting at home. Starting at home now, obviously, the black family is not what it used to be because you got a lot of single black parents. You got a lot of uh, 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 broken homes. You got with half our male uh, young folks in jail and the likes and all that craziness. So uh, a lot of that stuff is due to uh, the family uh, uh, makeup of, uh, in the black community. Well, you know, you know, Hushmo, everybody ain't going to make it. Well, that's, well, obviously, well, that's true, but for a lot of different reasons, for a lot of different social reasons. Whatever the uh, reason is, when it comes time for you, they call your name, and if you can't step forward, you're just not going to make it. And so what I'm saying is that a parent has to have the right to put their child, take their child out of one environment that they don't approve of and put them into another environment that they where, agree upon. Where, where, where can't they do that at? Where, where, where can't they do that? If they want to take their child out of public school here in, the, here in Atlanta, they certainly can. And the, And they should, the money should follow that child. See, it gets it, it get, uh, it get, uh, a little more complicated when you say that money should follow that child. What money, out of what pool of money are we taking the, uh, out of what pool are we taking the money out of? The money that's allocated to that child, if they sit in a public school building, that money should follow that child when that child goes to another institution that, that the parents choose. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, well, it's a lot involved in that. I, I hear your argument, 
I hear your argument. I don't have a, a you know, just off the surface have a problem with that, but it, it's a little more complicated than that because most, uh, 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 the majority in our black community uh, don't have the wherewithal, at least here in the public schools today as they uh, set up, to take their child out of public school to send it to some private school. Some and, don't. And, but many do, and the ones that don't, they, I mean, they're just going to lose out. I mean, like I said before, everybody ain't going to make it. Well, like I said, I, I was happy with the, I'm, I'm still happy with the public school system in Atlanta. If uh, the parents get involved, I think public schools will still work uh, uh, in terms of educating our young folks. Some public yeah. schools, some public schools are okay, yes. I, I, I've seen some, some public schools, the majority of them not, though. And you know, it's just it's just terrible. It's a shame that black kids go through that. And black society see whites ain't gonna take care of well let's put it like this. Chinese are not gonna solve that problem. The Mexicans are not gonna solve that problem for you. You oh, gotta I solve that problem yourself. Well, I believe that now. Well I believe that wholeheartedly. And you're not going to solve it, Hushmo, in that public school system. It's not going to happen. I have seen public schools that were so outstanding, they comparative, they ranked number six academically in the whole state. And they closed the school because it's a public institution. They closed it because of budgetary concerns. I also have seen a school district in Kansas City with 33,000 students. The DSEG judge allocated $2 billion for them. He asked them, what do you need to turn this around? The activist said a billion. He said, I'd give you $2 billion. And guess what? They still didn't turn it around. Only did you have this one group that had this, uh, this cultural theme program that you had outstanding things going on. But the folks didn't like that because it says too black. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's not it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy uh, uh, it's not an easy uh, uh, answer to that it's not an easy answer to that educational system. It's easy think. as you want to make it because it, in some places it's going on. Just like I just gave you an example of the school in L.A. and there's other ones. Yeah, that's right. I can tell you that uh, Morehouse and Spelman are two of the finest colleges in the world. Yeah, but they but you only got five you got only got five of them though. You only got five of them out of a hundred and what, thirteen that have a graduation rate above fifty percent in six years. Well I'm just telling you. See, you talk about this one school in LA that's great. And I'm telling you about more houses. No, I said there's more than I know of more than that one. There's there's there's, there's many of them, but there's not many of them, but there's you know, there's more than one, but the thing is, is that you got parents. Now that's a private school, by the way. But you need to have the parents need to have the ability to put their child in the environment that they see fit for them. So parents I, should have their child evaluated just because they bring home a, at the third grade a report card with all A's in. I still have my child evaluated. And I would bet you that you found out that they're not doing third grade work. I I I, I agree uh, 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 with one thing that uh, you're saying here. 
that this is a community problem. It's our community. It's our community who has to fix it and correct it. We have to do that as a community, as a community of of African Americans. We have to fix our own problem when it comes to uh, education and things like that. And here's the point. You got organizations. Your vanguard organization, like NAACP and Urban League, don't want that. Don't they don't know. want I, that. I don't, I don't, they don't, don't want school I, choice. I, I ain't going to go as far as to say that. I ain't going to go as far as to say that they don't want it. Well, they, it, uh, it, it, it's on paper that they don't want it. Well, they're more in, 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 in tune with the masses. It's where the masses are at. You know, you know how can uh, school choice benefit the masses? And it, it, is the masses going to be able to access all these it, well, no, it ain't going to benefit the masses. It's going to benefit those who take advantage and who are given the opportunity to do so. <clears throat> and that's what that's what should be done. Well, right if a person don't want to lead their kids, a person don't want to lead their child in low-performing schools, you know, here in the state of Missouri, we have a school district that got brand-new buildings in it. And because of a Missouri law, the parents was able to put their kids on buses and bus them out into the white suburbs. Whites had a meeting and said, we don't want your kids. Then, of course, the news got a hold of it and embarrassed them. But here they had brand-new facilities in the buildings. I know I built one of the buildings. <clears throat> last building they built was Barack Obama. And they bust their children out in the St. Charles County. And... Uh, what kind of curriculum do they have in these brand new schools? And what kind of teachers do they have teaching in these brand new schools? I mean, is the curriculum up the The state law? says, the state law says that your curriculum can be whatever the local concern want it to be. But, but it is that the parents in the community are not active, nor probably do they not know what to do because they graduate from the more wretched schools also. So here's what I'm saying, is that you have some parents who are astute. They got their kids trapped in these systems. They should be able to take their child out of them. Okay. I, I, you know, I'm not going to uh, 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 rail against uh, your arguments there. I, I'm not going to rail against your argument there. I'll, but I, I will say this, that, you know, 10% of black folks go, uh, 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 got their kids uh, 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 well ahead of the other 90%. That's always been the case in every uh, different fractions of uh, society that we have in this country. 10% mm-hmm. uh, go to the top. That's the way it is. And you're right about that. Yeah. Because the number of black students that starting to attend these schools where you have to pay $40,000 a year tuition, even in kindergarten, uh, those numbers are increasing. Yeah, it's only going to be ten percent that can afford it. I mean, I, I, uh, it's, it's a, it's a serious problem. I, you know, we have, as a community, have to get more involved in our own, uh, our own, uh, 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 you know, labs and things in our own uh, communities. I, I'm all. You know, that's what we do out on the Hushville Black Forum. We advocate for uh, social justice and uh, uh, black entrepreneurship and all that stuff. That's what we try to do, Mr. Bianchi. Hey, listen, yeah, that's what you should do. 
All right, well, it's about time for you to get off of here. You only got five minutes, four minutes, something. You see me rushing, you see me rushing to the end. There you <laughs> go. Got about, got about five more minutes to go. No, I was glad of talking to you, though. I haven't heard from you in a month of Sundays. Was Santa Claus good to you? No, I don't need no Santa Claus. But I was glad as hell that that Hillary Clinton lost. Well, not up. so was the Russians. Well, the Russians might be glad, but they didn't have nothing to do with the damn elections like they're trying to pretend. Well, I don't know. If they if they had any effect on it at all, if they stole material from uh, the Democratic Party and give it, gave it to WikiLeaks, they have an effect on it. If they stole well, the Democrats stole stuff to to do what they did to Bernie Sanders. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I'm saying this foreign entity. If this foreign entity stole uh, information, passed it on to a third party who leaked it to oh. uh, the world. Uh, what uh, do you mean? Election. I don't. Oh, you mean like they stole Angela Merkel, the Prime Minister of Germany? Telephone information, huh? Yeah, but we didn't pass it on to a third party. We How we know? Hey, they do that all the time. They do that all the time. The government steal each other. How do you How do you know who they passed it on to? You don't know. Like they meddle in other countries' elections, assassinate leaders, and so on and so on and so on. But we didn't hear about uh, Angela Merkel information come from a third party. We heard Hillary Clinton's information come from WikiLeaks. And Donald Trump. WikiLeaks is ran by an American. How is he a third party? He's not an American. He's a Swedish guy held up in an embassy somewhere in Europe. Uh, 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 he got American. Uh, he got American citizenship. This guy is a Swedish uh, guy held up in an embassy in London uh, because he's running from the law. Is who that guy? Junior well, you know Trump. the thing is. The thing is, is the whistleblower laws. When you discover something that's wrong, you got a right to report it. He's not. That's not him. That's not Julius Assange. That's that's Snowden. That boy Snowden is a whistleblower. Julius Assange is a strong crook. That he's not a whistleblower. He's just a crook. That's a difference. Yeah. Well, WikiLeaks. I I I think the man's a hero myself. How else would you have found out of the dirty deeds that Hillary Clinton was involved in? What dirty deeds? By the way, what dirty deeds are you talking about? Because the Haitians about, pick it. The Haitians used to pick at her office every day for Haitians, what she was doing in Haiti. The, the uh, 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 was she doing anything like France, who set up a third barricade around that island for damn near a hundred years? To $100 million. Well, I don't know about that, but I know one thing. If, if Obama wanted to really go back at Russia, then they would have kicked Russia out from doing uh, 20% of the uranium mining in this country. It's done by Russian contractors. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm against all that stuff. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I'm against all that stuff, Mr. Yankee. You're right, too. I'm against all of that. Uh, but... Uh, uh, they call Putin red-handed. They got him on, on audio. They got him on audio talking about how glad he was that uh, Donald won that uh, presidency. Uh, you know what? Donald Trump owed uh, the Russian oligarchs millions of dollars. Is Donald's problem. That's why he won't show his income tax. He's in hospital. He don't have to show his income tax. But anyway, I'm gonna let you go, man, because you're getting ready to go anyways. But nice talking to you. 
Absolutely. Uh, uh, get back in touch. Get me on the landline sometime in the next day or so. All right, then. I'll talk to you. Talk back. All right, bye-bye. Hey, uh, we uh, got an old friend on the line that got carried away and ran through our time here, y'all. We're just about going to wrap this thing up for the night. Y'all come back and see us next week, the 14th of January. We'll be right back out here at Old Blog Talk, y'all. Until then, ciao. Y'all be good. We out of here. The Hushmo Black Phone, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Phone, www.blogtalkradio.com.